Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And now, here is your host, the lovely, delightful, insightful, and all-around great gal, Ms. Barbara DeLong. I have Ken Quiethawk to thank for that lovely intro. Welcome everybody to Nightlight. I am really excited to be here this evening because uh, one of my favorite topics is discussing the Billy Meyer material with Mark Snyder and he's here. So, um, and he is in in my opinion, in my in my reality, um, an authority on the Billy Meyer material, a, a student and an and and authority as well, and uh, he he has devoured the material and and has has brought it together into a um, the beginning of a piece of uh, work that is just phenomenal for him and I would imagine for everybody around him. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Billy Meyer is because he's still with us. Uh, he was born into a very small village in Switzerland. And um, he was, he grew up on a, on a farm. It was, it was very, very rural. He literally had no education. And since about the age of four, he has been in communication first telepathically and then physically with visitors from uh, the Plagerian system. And they have given him a massive amount of information. And, and if you read through any of it, you'll recognize the fact that he could not possibly have uh, learned all this himself, that, that the material that he has presented in all of the contact information is really quite phenomenal so that, so that there is obviously a connection here that, that brings greater wisdom, greater understanding, greater philosophies, uh, and present them to, to humanity as a whole. Um, now, he took pictures of flying saucers early on, and they were absolutely, people tried to, um, tried to call them frauds. They weren't able to, nobody's ever been able to, and they've tried, trust me, to, to convince anybody that he's a fraud. He is a very sincere, very genuine, very human person with exceptional 
um, memories and with an exceptional ability to be able to bring forth information from a place inside of himself or outside of himself that many uh, sit back and wonder at. So I'm going to welcome Mark to the show. Mark, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. How are you? I am terrific. I am absolutely. We've done a number of predictions really there. But before we even get into the predictions that, that were shared with him and he shared with us through through the contact information that he wrote down and has been published um, all over the place, uh, what you know, I, I was sitting here looking at the the amount of time he these contacts have gone on, and it's from age four. Now he's eighty. Is he still getting contact information? Yes, he's eighty-one. Even eighty-one. Okay, so mm-hmm. so for over mm-hmm. seventy years, they have been, um, for want of a better word, not channeling, but they they have been talking to him, and he has a memory, so he can write it all down, so that. So that he, well, they've been giving him information. Well, the, the way the contacts work is he'll, like back in the days when he was speaking with Semyase back in 1975, he would drive his moped out by a tree at a certain location. She would land the ship, get out, they would talk. He would drive back home, and the ship would transmit to him the central computer of the ship would transmit to him the contact word for word, and he would type it with one hand at like 60 or 70 words a minute. So he didn't have to remember it all. It was transmitted to him. Okay. So um, so a question that has come up in my mind, and and I don't. It, it's probably in the material someplace. But for anyone who wants to look at, look it up, it it is. Um, oh, the future of mankind is That's one a good site. The, yeah, future of mankind, and um, another one is the Figu uh, website as well. They both have contact information and and all sorts of material on Billy and and the material he's put forth. In this mm-hmm. vast universe, and it's vast, and the more I learn, the more I realize how very, very vast it actually is. Why did they pick Planet Earth and Billy Meyer? What what is what is was their purpose in finding him and then and then bringing information through to him so that he could share it with humanity? What what was what was their mission? They have to have a mission statement of some sort. Well, that's a very good question. The the purpose of it's bigger than just one contact. It's bigger than one lifetime. Uh, yeah. His spirit form has been incarnating on the earth as a prophet for the last 13,000 years and also as other individuals. And mm-hmm. he had also... Even even prior to the thirteen thousand years, he was also incarnate had in, incarnated on the earth. The Meyer material refers to his spirit form as the universal prophet, and his spirit form incarnates on planets uh, in order to speed up the evolution on the planet. Now, his mission in this lifetime 
So your your basic question is is your basic question why Billy? No, my 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 basic I mean I understand about Billy and his spirit form and and I I understand mm-hmm. all of the mm-hmm. that that I got down. But why earth? Because uh now when you say why earth are you saying why are they coming to Earth rather than some other world? I, I'm I'm just wondering because because um, I, I think what what I, I I pick up in some of the contact information is that you know we're frustrating the daylights out of them because we're not listening, <laughs> um, and and yeah, what is it about Earth that is so special that they have they well, have sent it's. It's not. It's not special. No, I, it's not. What they're trying to do is avert a disaster here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. And the, and the reason they do this is because, at least in part, they are responsible for some of the problems that are on this planet. Because even the Giza intelligences, as we have talked about before, are a splinter group of the Playaren. And the Playaren have been here, uh, for example, during the time of Pelagon, which was 150,000 years ago. And when Pelagon was here, they had a, a society all over our Earth that when Pelagon died, Pelagon was a king of wisdom, Anishwish which we can talk about that if you, what that means but he had he was very advanced spiritually and he was very benevolent and he had a a society here on earth for for almost 2000 years he lived for almost 2000 years because of the power of his spirit form now when he died the guy that took over for him wasn't so wise and the whole society broke down and there was a gigantic global war which almost destroyed the planet now some 20,000 years later about 133,000 years after that is when the earth was repopulated again by people from other worlds and that's where Atlantis and Lemuria started mm-hmm. and and then you know how that ended in the great war with a with a meteor that came and almost completely destroyed all life on the planet. Yeah, not well. Not well. So now we're, it's been maybe 10 or 12,000 years since the destruction of Atlantis and Lemuria, and maybe only six, 7,000 years since our society and finally has been developing. And finally we're back up to the point again of somewhat of a advanced culture in some ways. Um, so, and they see that once again, uh, what's happening on the earth is bad and that, that we're, we're going down the path of self-destruction again. So, um, let's take Atlantis and Lemuria out of the picture. So 13,000 years ago is when the Nokodemian lineage started to manifest as the, these prophets on the earth as three Henochs uh-huh. and then... Elijah, Elijah uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, 
and Muhammad. Now these are, and but he also had uh, incarnations that weren't weren't these prophets like Socrates and Aristotle and Galileo and Mendelssohn and Mozart. So they're they're just trying to avert the the disaster. Okay. The, the, the gigantic disaster that we're we're heading towards, and I, and that's probably why I have the interest in all the prophecies because yeah, it resonates with <clears throat> them, right? <laughs> well, well, well. Actually, um, I I think that there were a lot of different reasons for the the um, predictions and the prophecies, and mm-hmm. because you know the the human humans today. Um, won't listen to prophets unless they're proven. And there's only one way to prove it, and that's to predict something that actually happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have spent a number of shows on going over the the, the predictions and prophecies that Billy has come up with. And, and mm-hmm. I think we, we found he was about 80% right on the things that he, I mean, from the Twin Towers mm-hmm. to Diana's death to the cell phones mm-hmm. to... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's nailed it, and the hurricane, the hurricanes, the yeah, the, the yes, and That's, and volcanoes. Those are the and, ones that those are the ones that disturb me the most is is the fires and the hurricanes, particularly the fires because it's just completely devastating our forests, and the forests moderate the weather on the planet, mm-hmm. and once you get to a certain point where the weather is extreme all the time there's i don't think there's a solution i i don't know of a solution now what's really neat is i've heard of this there are movements all over the world where people are planting trees there's a little boy in germany that when he was eight years old he started to get this group together that are planting trees and there's like i don't know it's a big group now and they've planted a million trees. Some of them are in Mexico, and some of them are in different places. And there was a uh, a, a woman in Africa. I, I didn't I didn't write her name down. I don't know if I could pronounce it, but I was reading this, and she got the Nobel Peace Prize for planting like it was millions and millions of trees. I don't know how in the world you could do that. She must have had an organization too. <laughs> but. But that's what's so that's very encouraging to me because that means people are starting to think about the creation, they're starting to think about nature. So oh, maybe yeah. we do have a chance. We have a chance, well, you know. Yes, we do. And you know, the the Native Americans at least here in the northeast, I can't speak well, there weren't that many trees out in the west, so at least here in the northeast they used to routinely burn down forests so that they could they could nurture the soil and then they could grow up again. I think what's happening out west though is a bit extreme, and but it is happening. And apparently, at one time, the Earth was not tilted on its axis, and at that time, um, the whole planet was a temperate zone, so that there, it was lush and there was there was vegetation all over the place. And then, from what I understand, we were hit by an, a massive meteor that knocked us on on an axis and and we began to wobble slightly and that created the seasons and that was one of the reasons that the dinosaurs got wiped out so fast well the planet um, was knocked off its axis during the Atlantis and Lemuria times as well I mean 
That's my understanding. Yeah, we ha- anyway. yeah, well, we haven't been too gentle with the planet, and it seems to have survived. But, but in Could, in in looking at I, all of his, sure, go ahead. I was going to say, could I run over just a few of these fires um, sure. that have occurred in the last four or five years, just so people that that are listening. I mean, when you read them like this, it really is huge. Uh, this was going back to 2013. The Rim Fire burned in Northern California. It burned 402 square miles, so third largest fire in California history. 257,000 acres of forest were destroyed. Same year, the Pony Complex Fire, almost 150,000 acres burned up Uh, and then in 2014 the funny river fire in alaska burned 190,000 acres roughly 302 square miles 2014 the carlton complex fire burned 390 square miles that's an area four times the size of seattle Mm 250,000 acres so what I'm these fires I'm describing, they would have burned my whole state of Ohio almost completely up. Oh yeah, that's, that's what's been that's what's been happening. Uh, the Fort McMurray fire in 2016 in Canada is the biggest one. Is it's also the co- the most costly disaster in Canadian history. One point five million acres. Destroy. That's just an area I can't even wrap my mind around. I'm going to skip over the hurricanes and keep on the fires. The Rice Ridge Fire in 2017 burned 100,000 acres. Uh, the Chetco Bar Fire, the Rice Ridge Fire was where? Montana. The Chetco Bar Fire was in Oregon. It burned 182,000 acres. Uh, the Thomas Fire in California. Now, this was a little different. It wasn't one of the gigantic ones. But now they're starting to burn up, like, you know, people's houses and stuff. 1,020 structures were destroyed in 2017. And hmm. so, so what I'm trying to say is we, our planet is being destroyed by our lack of understanding well, of what the creation all, is. Yeah, but not all of those fires were man-made. A lot of them started by, by lightning and stuff like that. Well, the reason they're started by lightning is because things are so out of balance. You see, um, uh, let me explain it to you. Forests moderate the weather when mm-hmm. they're healthy. Okay, and one of the things they do besides creating shade, and they create tremendous amounts of shade, which reduces the the temperature uh, in that in the air in that area. They also in the in the winter they reflect. Uh, excuse me, they don't reflect as much light back, so they they store a little more heat in. So they're moderating that temperature all the time. The other mm-hmm. thing they do is the top of the trees, when the wind blows over the top of the trees, it creates a turbulence. And that turbulence 
eventually forms clouds or draws clouds in and creates rain. Now, our whole ecosystem is so out of balance that these whole gigantic areas are completely dried out. And part of it is also our fault because we're not, you know, maintaining these forests. But that's why lightning strikes will just, boom, start start these forests. And it, so it's it's a disaster. It's I, I it, it's so you know what happens. We we learn things. Uh, we learn things consciously. But we also learn things at a subconscious level or an unconscious level. And we have two different kinds of thinking. So when you know something and it's very important, sometimes it's very difficult to articulate that because the subconscious mind is so fast and it has so much information and the conscious mind has to go and search for words and go real step by step and try to be precise. But like, for example, that's why the, in many ways the unconscious is in charge. And I'll tell you why. If you put your hand on a hot stove, you have to pull back immediately. It's, it's not your conscious mind that does that. It's your unconscious mind. And that's because there's no time for discussion because it's a, it's an emergency. You see what I'm saying? It's an emergency. Yeah. You got to pull your hand back now or you're going to just destroy your hand. Well, we're in the state right now where we're in an emergency. I mean, there's really, it's, it's almost the point where there's no time for a discussion. So well, that, that's, that's true. And, and we are hitting the ecology you know, really hard with our fracking that, and I believe the fracking is causing a lot of the earthquakes that are going on, especially in the, in the middle of the country. Um, mm-hmm. The, the pollution that is spread by the oil rigs when there are leaks is, is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we're having, and, and volcanoes erupting that haven't been erupting in a long time. And I swear to you, I do believe Vesuvius is going to go off again real soon. So, so the internal of the planet in many ways feels like it's, it's letting off steam and it's trying to equalize. Um, it, it's almost like the planet has indigestion. And, and See, you know, I, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. My, uh, my response, like people talk, they get scared about the Civil War. I don't care about the Civil War. Doesn't scare me in the least. Don't don't really care. What concerns me are these natural forces mm-hmm. that will, for example, the Thomas Fire in early December 2017 destroyed 270,000 acres, 1,020 structures. These are things we can't fight against no we, that, that's true see what i'm saying that yeah, and that the threat there it, you know i have lived on the coastline probably a majority of my life and and i've experienced hurricanes and they uh. are massive storms they are i mean um 
have you ever been at sea? Have you ever actually been on on a boat outside of <laughs> land where there is no where you don't see land at all? Oh yeah, but but only Lake Erie. Oh okay. Well, I uh, there was a whole summer that uh, my my second husband and I spent on a hundred and forty foot square rigger down in New Jersey. We took the public out for for rides, and there is wow. nothing like the feeling of being on, on, on a boat that large, being being pushed by the wind, not seeing land, and feeling the majesty of the environment, knowing that you are absolutely nothing when it comes exactly. to, to the wind and the sea and, and stuff yeah. like that. And, and sto- I just got hit by a, um, a tornado a couple weeks ago. And really? Yeah, it 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 went it, yeah, it went through my property and it knocked down 100-year-old trees like they were toothpicks. It twisted them and broke them. And it, it was the most amazing thing I have ever seen. But you're in awe of it because you know that you have no power to deviate, to change or to mitigate it. It's you're at the the mercy of these yep. these elements that is just profound yep. and mm-hmm. and so this leads very nicely into you know we've done a lot of his predictions about you know people and things but but the, I keep no matter where I, and, and there's another website I sent it to you did you have a chance to look at that by the way uh, that other website is, is called fly.com Oh, you mean and, that's Michael Horn's website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, on this website, they have a whole section on prophecies and predictions. He's pulled them all together in one place. Mark, it's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, Michael Horn is Mr. Prophecy. He's, that's, that's what, that's what uh, he's into. That's what he's totally focused on. He, you'd probably love to talk to him. He, I'm telling you, he knows the prophecy backwards and forwards. It's, it's not my particular area for one reason or another. I, I focus more on the, the spiritual teachings and more on the, uh, the uh, ancient history stuff. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the prophecies are just bizarre. And I love what you were saying about the creation there, and the fact that we're, we're just like a speck in the wind. I mean, you know, well, we're, we're nothing. <laughs> We're the smallest, yeah. tiniest little microbe ever, and to, I mean, I got to I got to hold the wheel of this vessel, and <clears throat> feel the wind. I could feel the wind in the sails as they took the and moved this huge ship forward, and it was mm. like, whoa, this is scary. I'm nothing, yeah. and but but I want to go back <laughs> to the prophecies. I'm pulling you back here because, mm-hmm. and and for anybody that's interested in the predictions and prophecies, theyfly.com has them all together, and it's it's an amazing. Um, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, it's an amazing place to go. Um, but what I found was, <clears throat> I understand they gave Billy predictions where he could prove that he had a connection that that was giving him good information and you know a lot of people you know will only listen to somebody if they can prove that they know what they're talking about and so being able to say i got these 10 things right out of out of 10 
you know, I, I have a connection. There's, there, I have material to give you. You know, pay attention to it. And in all of his predictions, starting in the 50s, going on through whenever he stopped as far as the predictions go, um, they come back over and over and over and over again to overpopulation, destroying the, the ecology, which will destroy the planet, which will destroy humanity. I mean, that's putting it very yeah. simply. But, but overpopulation remember. seems to be the biggest thing that he talks about constantly, no, no yeah, matter I, what I, year I, I, I remember back, I remember back when I first started studying this and I would read about like, for and here's a perfect example. It says here on contact report 215, it says, as already mentioned, enormous natural catastrophes and rolling walls of fire and violent hurricanes will rage across America. And mm-hmm. I can remember thinking to myself, how is that going to happen? That's never happened yeah. before. You know, that's not going to, I can't imagine that happening. And it's here. And it's oh, happening gosh, yeah. on a massive scale. And mm-hmm. I'm just stunned by that. That just just blows me away. Well, yeah, considering, how long have you been studying the Meyer material? I got a feeling I think I started around 2008, maybe slightly before, because I think I started my radio show in 2010. So I, I, that's, you know, roughly about that time. Yeah, about 10 Cause, years, I think. Because it's, you know, um, most people who really do predictions, um, I, I seem to, myself, when I do the, the year-end thing, uh, for some reason, the weather seems to have been coming up more and more and more. Earthquakes, hurricanes, volcanoes, tornadoes, tsunamis. I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it has been, um, and, and it's sort of like I said this last year. Well, it still holds true. And when I look at <laughs> Billy's stuff, um, it, it's, it's, and I, I think what people don't understand is <clears throat> we're in a, we're in a, a phase that, that could easily be 100 to 1,000 years, anywhere in between. Um, when, when I read through a lot of Billy's material a long time ago, he said that there would be at, at least 800 years of turmoil and upset and confusion and stuff like that before we hit a time of milk and honey, so to mm-hmm. speak. I don't think he said mm-hmm. milk and honey, but, but you know where there would be right. peace and tranquility and harmony, where we would learn to live together. And at the time when I read that, I thought, oh, Peshaw, <laughs> you know, can't right, it happen right. in a month or two? No. And, and now as the last, the last couple of years, um, I have been more and more aware of the, the, the greater the intensity of, of the weather has upon us. Um, we're going through a, a heat spell here in, on the East Coast. I don't remember ever having this many days of close to 100 degrees or more in, yep. in Same July. Here. Same here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's profound. I mean, I have allergies. This kind of weather, I have to stay inside. I can't breathe out there. And, wow. and you know, it's, it's just, it's the most, and I live in the woods and I have huge gardens. And, you know, it's, it's, 
and I don't think it's that I'm getting older and therefore my body is more sensitive to the environment or anything like that. I don't buy that. I think it's, it's, there is such a great intensity of the earth trying to bring it. And, and I do believe it's the earth. I do believe the earth is trying to bring itself back into balance. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's not necessarily, we don't have anything to do with it. It's, it's sort of like if you have an infection, you try to cure it in any way possible. Um, we have volcanoes literally burning away the insects that have inhabited their coast. I mean, what kind of an idiot builds a home on the side of a volcano anyhow? But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's, I think we, we have forgotten what our ancestors way back, well, not way back, hundreds of years ago, maybe thousands of years ago, what our ancestors knew that you had to live in harmony with your environment, Mm-hmm. Or it would wipe you out. <laughs> I mean, exactly. When, exactly. When the the meteor hit, and I don't know if it was the one that took out Atlantis, but I I, I do remember reading about a meteor hitting in the ocean and causing a tsunami. That the the tsunami was over a hundred feet tall when it hit the coastline. Now. Oh yeah, that sounds a lot like Atlantis and Lemuria. Yeah, Very and if it was it. if it was the same tsunami then it it's it's um remnants are being discovered in the Mississippi basin so the wave made it all the way past the Mississippi river before it wow. before it so that so that they are finding um they they're finding sediments and they are finding things that they shouldn't be finding in those areas and it's because when when that tsunami hit when it whether it was a meteor or whatever but when it hit the coast, the east coast, it, it it went it it was cresting all the way over past the Mississippi River. So just astonishing. I can't even I can't even um, imagine that. I can't visualize it. It's too big. It's too much. Well, there's also um, a meteor hit in um, right off the Yucatan Peninsula, and they have found the crater there. They they hmm. have identified it. So that there was another hit there. So that this planet has sustained um, amazing hits from space, just not in our lifetime. But but it's it, it's there and it has marked the the, the surface, so to speak, of, of the planet. So that so that for us to think that oh well we're just fine, it's it's we're not, and. I think what what gets to me is, you know, most of the population um, of the world is clustered on the coastlines. So all you need is a tsunami well placed and you can wipe out most of humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it could happen. It could happen. How far inland how far inland are you? Oh, I'm in Ohio, so, you know, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of miles. But uh, I'm not as far west as the Mississippi. Yeah, I just so. I, I I so so Billy is trying to get a message out. He's trying to get a message for the environment, and he just keeps mm-hmm. slamming on overpopulation, overpopulation, overpopulation. Now, what does he expect? humanity to do stop having children i mean and and i think he he makes a point in one of the things that i read that that um the bible says be fruitful and multiply 
And and I don't think that when that was written, they thought we would take it to the extreme that we have. You know, a lot of people say that there, say, for example, are 7 billion people in the world and that you could fit all these people into, into several hundred square miles in the state of Texas, which is true, but you have to continue thinking about feeding these people. For example, let's say that each of our 7 billion people gets to eat a little over one cow in their lifetime. So let's allow two acres per cow. It, it takes It's a good rule of thumb that it takes about two acres to feed a cow properly. You know, so it has, you know, you can graze and eat the grass. So we have 7 billion people, one cow per person, and a cow needs two acres. That's two times seven which is 14 billion acres. So you need 14 billion acres to give everybody in the world one cow for their life. Now, how much is 14 billion acres? That is 21,875,000 square miles. Now, again, that's hard to even visualize. How much is that? That would be the United States, Alaska, Canada, Russia, and South America. That would add up to about 21 million square miles total. So that's that's the grazing land you would need just to feed people beef. And that's not a lot of beef because think about that, you know. Um, there's 300 days in a year. If you ate a pound of beef every every three days or something, you know, you could eat 300 pounds of beef in one year. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it's theoretically possible. So what I'm saying is just to feed people beef. And what happened, what's happening now is you have billions of people that are starving mm-hmm. or that barely survive, that don't get really any meat to speak of. So it would take all the United States, all of Canada, all of Russia, all of South America to feed our 7 billion world population beef, assuming that each only consumes one cow for their entire lifetime. So you really have to sit down and start thinking about population for it to really sink into you. You see what I'm saying? Because people can distort that and say, we don't have an overpopulation problem. Oh, my goodness. People argue that. People argue that because they they do that they do the simplistic math without looking at all the different variables and they say well you can literally fit all these people into the northern part of Texas with you well you can but now you got to allocate the room for feeding them and then what level are these people going to live is everybody going to have a car is everybody going to have a computer <laughs> well, well you that, know? that's you know, that's true and when you look at the third world countries who are unable to farm and and feed themselves that we are feeding and because we're feeding them they are not going out and trying to farm again and they can't because the the land has been destroyed i mean mm-hmm. we 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 aren't sustaining here and and um when you get masses of people that you know can't work and don't have jobs and are hungry then you have disease and the disease spreads and one of the things that billy um predicted was that because of all of this um old diseases were going to come back 
And mm-hmm. um, I kept I kept thinking from what he was describing, he was calling he you know the Black Death. Um, that was a plague that that hit um, Europe very very hard, hard <clears throat> long ago. So. He's, he said that, that, you know, we're on the verge, we're on the tipping edge here where, where we're going to destroy ourselves because we haven't been able to control ourselves. And um, as far as the U.S. goes, um, that's the same thing that's going on here. It's, it's a matter of um, when I was reading about what he said about, about the U.S., he, he basically, and he was not the only one, he basically, that, that I have that I have heard with this prediction said that by 2020, the government as we know it was going to crumble. And according to Billy, we had two choices. It was either to go to a dictatorship or go to a more democratic form of government. I know that that sounds ridiculous because, but we don't have a democratic form of government. We're, we're a Republic. And so, so it's a matter of, we are at, a crossroads here, according to Billy, and and it and it is a little. Um, I have to say it's a little exciting watching it, but you know I'll let you know if it inconveniences me too much, and then I'll be mad. But but mm-hmm. watching it all transpire, it, it's hard not to see what's coming because um, we've we've had a party system that is no longer a party system. They've drawn the line, and they are now enemies. And, you know, when you have that happen at that level, it's a very dangerous thing. Well, let's hold that thought because I want to get back to that thought in a minute because I think it's really interesting. I'd like to talk about the social justice warriors and all that, but I want to get us back to overpopulation here. Uh, There's a guy named Frosty Wooldridge, great guy. You should interview him. Please do on your show. He wrote a book called America on the Brink. And one of the things he claims, I haven't done the research, I don't know, but he's usually right because he does his homework. He says there's 100,000 immigrants coming to the United States every month, which, you know, is staggering. Uh-huh. We, couldn't possibly, <laughs> we couldn't possibly generate that many new jobs. So that means you're going to have 100,000 unemployed people added to the already you know, it's it's, uh-huh. it's it's only a way to destroy the country. So anyway, uh, I I talked to him a while back and wanted him to, if he could, come on the show on a regular basis. So maybe in October he'll start coming on the show and we can have some interesting discussions um, with him on Revolution Radio. That would be great. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. That. Um, um, I'll just let me let me get some statistics from his book here. I think you'll find this interesting. Four million people are born on the street and die on the street in India every year, which we can't imagine in the United States, but we're starting to get there. So can you imagine the kids, you know, and it's just, you know, horrible. Anyway, 18 million people starve to death every year in the world. There are 9,000 newborns per hour. Mm. Can you think about that? Unbelievable. Bangladesh, for example, is one of these third world countries that we talk about. 167 mm-hmm. million people in Bangladesh. Bangladesh is about the size of 
Iowa. Now, 10 million children die every year from starvation or starvation-related diseases. 10 million. So a city the size of New York City dies every year from starvation or starvation-related diseases. The world population grows by 77 million people annually. Can you imagine that? No. I can't either. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, America will add 100 million people by 2035. And we're depleting our giant aquifers that are underwater. So we're, we're, we're getting to the point where Less and less people have fresh water in the mm-hmm. United States. So these are just, this all comes from America on the brink. I'm going to give you an example of what the overpopulation is like in other, and this is something that Frosty told me, and I didn't believe him. I literally, did, I, I told him I didn't believe him on the show. He told me that <laughs> Beijing, which has about 13 million people in it, has 52 lanes of traffic that circle the city. I don't know if you have go down and ever drive your car. Every, every city in the United States has a belt that goes around the city, mm-hmm. you know? Like here in, uh, in Columbus, we have 270, and it's four lanes. I, yeah, I've and seen four, but 52? Not 52. You can look it up on YouTube. You can see it, helicopters filming it. 52 lanes. It's just unbelievable. Wow. So think about the... So what really triggers me, and I have to watch this because I get triggered. Think about the wrong thinking involved here. When you say there isn't an overpopulation problem, we only need to build more lanes of traffic, right? There's no traffic (laughs) problem. We're just going to build more lanes at 52 lanes. You know, it's so, you know, it's insanity. So, well, I did get the chance to drive across the U.S. And I Mm -hmm. have to admit, you know, there, I mean, mean, um, Patrick and I drove across in 2010, and Mm -hmm. it, it was an amazing experience. I think if everyone, anyone who has the opportunity to do it should do it. Because the vastness of this country is just so awesome, it's unbelievable. But and while the while the the speed, you know, it, it went up to seventy five in in many places, um, it was yeah two or three lanes. It wasn't that many lanes because you're you're going agro- across vast spaces mm-hmm. that have no towns and no cities in them, and it's just wide open territory, and it's spectacular. It is absolutely phenomenal, but I can't imagine a road that big stretching across our country. I mean, I I know that they are are working on fast speed trains that that will, you know, zap us to wherever we want to be. But and I would hope they would put them in tunnels rather than on top of the earth because um, I would hate to see that 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 expanse of space that is out there to be defaced. I mean, already, I mean, the one thing that we did see all over the place were those huge windmills, and they are huge that that generate electrical power. They are 
so big it is unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. Just just one of the um, one of the fan things. I think we mm-hmm. saw it on, we saw one on a truck being carted someplace. It was we figured it was almost seventy five feet long, and that was just wow. one of them. So and they wow. have they have three. So they're, they're huge, and quiet and silent and amazing. But but you know the 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 reality here is that if if there are more people on this planet than we can provide for, how do they? How do I, I know in 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 Billy's case they were saying you know you have to stop this overpopulation. You have to stop this overpopulation. How do you stop it? In in in, in yeah. a in a kind way, Cess- you know, you cess- cessation, stopping the birth, the birth rate. But we're almost to the point where it has to be something extreme. I there is an interesting. Have you heard of the? Have you heard of? Have you read Contact Report four seventy six that talks about a planet named a cart that was destroyed um, by overpopulation? No, I, I have not. Well, this was... Uh, 476, Billy talks was about this. Uh, 476. Okay. Yes, and this was, I think, on his great journey when he was in the mothership. He, he They talked about this, where the, this planet, which was about an Earth-sized planet, had 23 billion people living there. And eventually... The what happened is the planet's um, atmosphere broke down. I'll read it to you here. It says um, it's talking about. However, all of the world's okay. I'll just read the whole thing. It says the population of planet Akart belonged to our Federation, as well as also the population of the worlds of Proxima Centauri and others from there, and other local regions of space around there from which several of them have come to Earth. However, all these worlds belong in our space-time construction. Consequently, they also possess several of our technologies. Like, for example, that technology with which they're able to bridge the time barrier and come into our space-time construction. Eventually, the population of Eckhart increased to 39 billion. Then the climate was completely destroyed when in the end an oxygen collapse occurred and the atmosphere collapsed, the Pleiaran were able to only get 116 million people off the planet before it was destroyed and settled them on other worlds. So this is this is where we're heading. This is a very interesting contact report. If you ever get to read it. Yeah, I well, I wrote it down. I will I will give it a shot. Um but but you have to i mean what we're seeing here um is not our lifetime years in mind or our or our children's or our children's children but it is coming you know and if something mm-hmm. isn't done dan dan brown wrote a book called inferno did you have a chance to read that at all ever no 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 um you know and they made a movie of it but the movie you know uh changed the ending and I think ruined the whole movie, frankly, for me. Um, oh. it, 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 um, 
the book itself talks about a, a, a mad scientist who believes that overpopulation is going to ruin the world and that the best thing you can do is to, you know, he, he intimidates that releasing a plague that would kill most of the population would get the population down to a safe, sustainable level. And that mm-hmm. he's developed one, that he's hidden it, and it's set, it's, it's set to go off at a certain time. He then kills himself so that he can't be made to tell where it is. They follow the clues. They find where it's hidden, and they get there, and they find that the virus has already been released. And, of course, wow. they had gotten the, they'd gotten the world, um, you know, the, the, the um, medical stuff and everything all involved in it and everything. Turns out it was released ahead of time and what it, it wasn't a plague, but what it did do was cause infertility to 80% oh, of the population. Yeah. Now I ruined, I ruined the book for anybody that's going to read it, but um, but basically what it did was it over the long term, it did cut the population. Yeah. And, and now in a lot of the vaccines that are being sent to third world countries, I have always suspected there was something that would cause infertility to them as well. Oh yeah. I can't, oh, yeah, I can't prove that, but, but I, I, hmm. I, I just kind of think that, that we have done that to third world countries, um, oh, whether yeah. whether right or wrong. I don't know. But I, I do feel I do feel that stuff like that is happening. And when you think of eugenics, I mean, that happened here in the United States before it happened in, in Germany during World War mm-hmm. Two. Mm-hmm. Hitler, Hitler based his plans on what we already had in practice. So, um, I mean, I think there are parts of there are places where trying to control the population has certainly um, been been at work. And isn't is, isn't there a country where was it China who said you could have two children and that was it? I think it was something like that. Yeah, one. For some reason, one point something comes into my mind. <laughs> well, how do you have a point of a child? Come on. <laughs> I, I can yeah, see re- you don't, but I think I, that I can, was the rate. I can see replacing yourself, you know. But but so so this overpopulation thing is is something we really should be concerned about because it is. I mean, and and when you look at the 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 other thing that he he actually um, did predict was that there would be influx. You know, um, that there would be an influx of refugees from, from different countries that would flood major cities, um, Germany, England, and the United States. And, of course, we had some of that with, with the Syrians. You know, where, where do you put them? How do you? And, and he said that in, these in, in this influx of aliens that were escaping, you know, fleeing, there would be terrorists and the, the terrorists, um, I mean, the terrorist attacks are something that, that he did predict would, would um, continue and be exaggerated because they no longer had a central um, organization that they were all lone wolves now. So that, so that you never, you weren't able to trace something back to an origin. It, it's, it's harder to kill something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so, so we're in for, um, 
some some very unusual times coming up in the next decade or two. Well, let's hope that people like you and me who are studying books like The Might of Thoughts have been able to play a role in in turning this around. For you know, there's that's the real answer to all these problems is the spiritual teaching. And I can't think of a better book than The Mind of Thoughts to to get us back on the path because it's neutral positive thinking that allows us to solve our problems. It's zeal directed thoughts which are mightfully used that will as Billy says, self mightif a self mightification occurs. So and then when when people do that, the human being then is able to show them themselves their own true greatness. So, and this is where we learn how we can form our futures and our entire lives according to our own wishes and ideas. Mm-hmm. So, it all comes back to this the the spiritual teaching again. And and his his material is on, on the spiritual end of it, um, full of love, harmony, and grace. I mean. Some of the contacts, you know, obviously we, he or we frustrated the um, plagiarians. And, um, and and at one time they actually said, you know, we're not going to give you any more predictions. You don't listen to us, which, um, which I found sad because <laughs> there haven't actually been any for, for, for quite a while. I mean, I found some from... 2008, but not beyond that. And, and 95 was when they left the planet, correct? Or they didn't come back mm-hmm. to the planet? Right, 1995. Uh, 1995, the bases that were here were, you know, destroyed and the people left. They, there's no. You know what's interesting, though, is that there are extraterrestrial ships that come in to our atmosphere two or three times a day and then leave quickly. That's a very, very interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, you sent me you sent me um an article on um the um the deep space oh platform. The deep space platform. You want to talk about that a little bit because that was fascinating. Yeah, we can talk about it. It's one of the monitoring systems that has been created um, and it started back in the 1950s, actually. Uh, it was called the MIDAS satellite system at that time. And eventually they updated it to the defense support system. So now, 24 hours a day, that the Earth is being surveyed every square yard of the Earth is being constantly looked at. Now, it's interesting that um, the technology for the deep space platform, part of it came from reverse engineering of UFOs and extraterrestrial Mm -hmm. spacecraft that crashed in the USA. And so we retro-engineered them and some of this technology from the UFOs eventually went into this deep space platform. So this is part of the whole control system. That's the other 
thing that's coming down the line. And this is the whole new world order. And this is, leads to the implanting of a coded chip in every person and the whole nine yards. Um, and you can really let your thoughts run away. <laughs> too much. They call them fast walkers. These, these extraterrestrial flying objects are called fast walkers. And they race with immense speed from outer space in Earth's atmosphere. And then they depart the planet shortly after that. To do, they disappear once again into the depths of space. And I think two or three of these ships do this every day. I'd have to double check and verify that that's exactly the statistics. So, I mean, there's so much going on. There's so much. That's why I think, for me, it channels back to the spiritual teaching because mm-hmm. there's so many things going wrong on so many levels. <laughs> that, this is true. You know what I'm saying? There's, it, it, it will, if you take it seriously, it will negatively affect your your outlook and your happiness. So oh, I think absolutely. it's so important. Yeah. No, no, I, I totally, I, I totally agree with you, and and I also, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of the. Um, the old Star Trek and the old Star Trek um, episodes, in, in many ways, were were giving you a a peek into aspects of society that were to come. And Roddenberry uh, actually uh, was in he knew a lot of people that worked for Project Paperclip and stuff like that, so that there was there was a a contact with possible alien influence that that in, was incorporated into a lot of the uh, Star Trek stuff. I mean, the doors that opened before you got to them and closed afterwards. I mean, when that came out, that was that was the coolest thing ever. And we we all do it every day when we go into a grocery store or a mall or whatever, the doors open for us and they close for us. I mean, when it happened when when we saw it on television, it was wow, look at that technology and yet you know, many years later, here, here we're all experiencing it. So that, so that you know, I think that in many cases, uh, we have had alien technology incorporated into our society without our even knowing it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, in 41, yeah, when... Go ahead. No, I said it has happened. That's all I said, yeah. Okay, I, and I And... In '41, when when we had the Battle of um, um, Los LA. Angeles, yeah, uh, there were ships that came down that that saucers that that the Navy and the Army both got, and so that we have had that alien technology, and so has Russia, and so has Germany, as a matter of fact. So that, I mean, I don't think they meant to give it to us, but we got it anyhow, and. Unfortunately for us, when we see new technology that is so amazing, immediately we weaponize it instead of, you know, turning it to how can this serve humanity, to how do I use it to gain power and, 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 you know, and, 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 you know, go on, go on um, bouts of conquering and, and, you know, gathering a, you know, becoming a megalomaniac. Um, And, and it does make you wonder, you know, how 
what's what's wrong with humanity where we find something that is amazing and wonderful and and the first thing we try to do is weaponize it instead of trying to convert it to helping helping humanity it just it, it's a bit of a conundrum for me i think it all comes down to a lack of independent thinking and that people cannot think independently anymore so they follow television radio newspapers and magazines and books even i see it in the medical industry which is astonishing mm-hmm. to me because we look up to doctors as being the smartest people on the planet and it's painfully aware to me that they're not uh, for example you may be surprised of this, but according to the American Journal of Medicine, medicine is the third highest cause of death in the United States. Not surprised at all. I know, I'm not either. In fact, um, some rate it as the leading cause of death in the United States. In more independent, if you allow more independent researchers to get involved, that means people are such, they have no independent thinking. They go to these doctors and they take the pills that are prescribed to them, period. Mm-hmm. And then they die. <laughs> <laughs> 300, it's 300,000 a year. 300,000 mm-hmm. a year people die from from normal drugs that are prescribed. Yeah, no, unfortunately that's true and and you do there there is we have been taught to um to almost to almost deify doctors and lawyers and politicians and and you know, I'm sure there are more I just ran out of fingers. Um so so what what to me is happening is our, our children are being taught by rote. They aren't being taught yep. to think. And That's your and area, so, right? Oh, yeah. That's your, and, That's your area of expertise, right? Two masters in it. Yes, I am an expert in education, <laughs> <laughs> I, according to the certificates I've got anyhow. And when I see... When I see what's happening in schools and and with children today, um, it 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 enrages me because school used to be a place where you were taught to think. It really did. It, it well, was well, you know. Let, let me interject something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, the one thing they're doing now, you know, they're they're starting. Gosh, this is hard to put into words. I'm I'm fumbling a bit. Children now, like if a kid maybe five, six, seven, eight years old, has a thought, well, maybe maybe they're a boy and they want to be a girl. You know, they start them mm-hmm. on hormones. Have you heard about this? Not thrilled they with that, but on, yeah. They, they, they are starting sex change in elementary school on kids. This is considered normal. I mean, that's such insanity. I, I, mean, I don't think that that's old. I mean, every little boy has played with a doll from one time or another. I mean, you know, but I mean, they're not proud of it, but they may have done it. But yeah, no, right. I that I don't that I don't agree with. I think that there is a, a an age, and I don't know what it is. It's 
probably in the teens where, where, yeah. where, where you should be able 18. to make, yeah. But I think if that's the case, then, then with, with in making sure that you're not just, you know, that this is, this is a real feeling, I, I am all for doing that if it's appropriate, if it really is what the spirit inside is feeling. And yet, when you go to the Meyer material, <laughs> um, the spirit does choose the sex. So, yes. so that yes, that it's just wrong thinking. It's it's wrong thinking, and it all comes down to the thinking again. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're so wrong in our thinking. We're so absolutely uh, we're doing what we're told by the media, by the churches, by the organizations. We are not capable of thinking independently anymore, and we're not capable of thinking logically. That's why there's such a dumbing down of America with the mass media. Well, yeah, I mean, forget that. I mean, I don't mass. I frankly, I don't listen to any of the news anymore because they're also controlled by by something else. When when the Federal Reserve came into being, the the very rich people and the and the you know the huge conglomerates took control of our money, and that was it. And our thoughts, I think, because, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've been retired for a long time, and so I have had the opportunity to teach myself what I needed to know and to investigate things that drew me. And, you know, it's, it's a well-known fact that when babies are born, those areas that they immediately show interest in, you know, as a young child, are areas that parents should encourage because those are areas where the spirit inside has has um, talents and gifts and inclinations for that that can help that child to evolve and, and grow into the um, the adult form that that it was intended to be, instead of trying to mold them into something that they think will be best better for them so they can earn a living and be independent. I mean, those two things are just to they're not together at all. It's do I follow my bliss or do I follow what my parents say and get a mundane job and I make money and I have children and, and you know, I get fat and die? Or do I, do I celebrate what I've got inside of me and, and, and learn and grow and, and, you know, see what I can do to serve humanity and how I can use my gifts and talents to help others understand themselves. And, you know, you, it's two different pathways. And, you know, I, I mean, some people are meant to be rich. There's no doubt about it. <clears throat> and some people are meant to struggle, but there's a joy in the struggle. So, so you know, and, and as a young child, I mean, the things that I did as a young child, I have found are in my later life, the things that I have gone to that have given me the greatest richness, the greatest joy, and the greatest ability to find out who I really am myself. And, you know, I have the the good fortune to be able to, you know, see both ends of the spectrum these days. But not everybody can do that. But, But if you can go back and if you can ask your parents, what was it? that I really, really, really was interested in that I, that I, you know, played with the most or the, and, and I don't mean cowboys and Indians and spacemen, but, but, you know, uh, probably 
creative endeavors like writing or singing or music or, or you know, um, study of any sort, and you'll find that those are the areas that today will give you the greatest peace and serenity. There is a word that Billy has. It's called asartung, and it's mm-hmm. a noun, and it, it means to get get out of control of the good human nature. Mm-hmm. And there's another word called askertit, which is an adjective. It has pretty much the same meaning as asartung, but it's used for nouns other than human beings. For example, you can have an askertit world, and that's what we're headed to is a world that's out of control, the hum- the good human nature. We're out of control, mm-hmm. which is why we have so many problems. Well, when you stop and think about it, a baby is, is pure love. And a baby has to be taught to hate. And there's a song in South Pacific, you've got to be taught. And and it's true. If If people are biased, if they're, if they are, you know, angry if they are mean, if they are, that's all, that's all learned material because a baby in its, its, its initial stages is really a blank slate and it absorbs, well, it's, you know. Dr. Bruce Lipton has one of the greatest things where he talks about uh, for the first seven years of our life, children are literally downloading information from the world around them. So, if their parents hate something, they'll download that information, and it'll go mm-hmm. right into their subconscious. And that's where they learn all these – they learn behavior patterns, which they'll try for the rest of their life to get rid of because they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we learn all these thought patterns like anger and, and all of these other patterns. So, Yeah. Well, yeah, and and you know when you get right down to it, it's it's like, okay, you know we we are at a place in time here where what we share with others at this moment in time and forward, you um, should be of a better quality. It should be not anger and not bias and not prejudice. But um, I don't want to sound like I want to go back to the the you know to the, the 70s when it was peace, love, and harmony so much because that was a crazy time. That was lots of drugs involved there. But, but, but it, it, made, it made sense. And you know, it, to a degree, I think, again, carried to an extreme, anything is not good. But, but it's, it's, I think we are now, most of us, not trusting and angry. I I have a good friend that that you know she's she's been through some difficult times, and every time she turns around, somebody screws her, and it's like you know she keeps saying, "I have to learn not to trust anybody, and I have to not trust anybody." And I keep saying, "No, you have to be discerning. It's okay to trust if somebody if they've earned your trust, but you don't give it away right away." And I, I think that so many of us are in in places where. We're having to learn how to be human because just because we happen to have a physical body, I, I don't think that, that we are at a place in time where our spirit is able to manifest within the reality with the kindness and tenderness and, and, and joy that it's meant to do. Because we're born into a society that is going to precondition us towards 
to the other side. And it's not a negative side. It's not like Darth Vader and the other side. But, but we're not given from birth the patterns. I was born during World War II. So, so that there is, you know, a fear of, of a lot of things that's built into me. The concept of war definitely, it, 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 it makes me crazy. Um, knowing what can happen in war. But, but I think that we, we really have come to a time where we have to take a look at what we're doing to our children and, and knowing that, that we're handing to them an ecology and a planet that we have abused horribly and we, we should be teaching them how to take care of it instead of having to destroy it further. Yeah, and the reason I think we do most of these things is because of, of, of wrong thinking and that we're not thinking in a neutral positive pattern anymore. So, Billy, well, wait, you've, about... you've, wait, you've used that term a lot, and a lot of people will not understand what neutral positive is. You want to kind of give a, an explanation of it again? Sure. When you have a neutral positive thought, pattern. You're just a little past the middle point. You know, you're not negative, you're not positive. You're just a little to the positive side. That's the way Billy described it. It's the thought pattern that will attract um, positive experience into your life. In other words, your thoughts generate feelings. Your feelings will generate habits and these good habits will produce good circumstances in your life. So the friend that you were talking about that has everyone's treating badly, she's actually attracting those circumstances into her life by her thinking. Absolutely. Which is not, it's probably, uh, I would assume, negative thinking in some aspect. I mean, or it's overly positive, one or the other. So... <laughs> So what does it mean to mightfully use your thoughts? Because that's what we're talking about. If you think in a neutral, positive way, neutral, positive, equalized thinking means that both the positive and the negative are brought together and equalized, whereby a healthy and progressive thinking arises. So if you're thinking negatively, that leads to what I was talking about, esasartang, as much as purely positive thinking does. So what we need to do is repair our psyche. And we repair our psyche by neutral positive thoughts. And we need to learn, this is what I'm trying to learn right now. And let me read this to you because this is the sentence I'm studying for the past two weeks. It says, zeal-directed thoughts, which are then mightfully used, whereby a self-mightification arises in practice. Human beings are thereby able to show themselves their real and true greatness, and in conscious use of the might of their thoughts, they show themselves their own capabilities and prove that they have a means at their disposal with which they can form their futures and their entire lives according to their own wishes, and ideas. Now, Mm -hmm. you were talking about when you're a child. Now, this between the ages of one and seven, Dr. Bruce Lipton says, 
we're downloading all of these thought patterns. We're looking at our parents and our friends, and we're learning all these things. Subconsciously, it's a subconscious download, and the subconscious works very fast. We are in a theta state during that time. When we're in Mm -hmm. a hypnotic theta state of mind, we record the behaviors of others as a child. And the theta waves are what's called 3 to 8 hertz. They occur most often when we're in sleep or we're in deep meditation. And the theta level is the gateway to learning, to memory, to intuition. So what's happening to these children is they're downloading the behavior of others. So they've downloaded some bad behavior. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. So in their subconscious, they have bad programs, which they got from their parents and their their older brother or whoever. So when they start to have difficulty in life, these negative programs will play back. Out of control, they rotate the thoughts. The thoughts go out of control. They rotate, they rotate. Negative thoughts over and over again, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you stop that wrong thinking pattern? Well, you have to have, you have to learn for yourself a group of positive, neutral positive thoughts and then say those aloud to break the cycle of the negative thinking. So you tell yourself, these are the ones I use. You can come up with your own. I'm confident. I'm optimistic. I'm relaxed. I'm cheerful. I'm enthusiastic. I'm satisfied. I persevere, I persist, I endure, I am calm. I'm the master of my own destiny. I'm the forger of my own fortune. I create my own good luck through good thoughts, good feelings, good habits, and good circumstances. It is the nature of the thoughts that by their might alone, every conceivable thing can be brought to fruition. Now, why am I repeating those? And I'll repeat those over and over and over again. Why, why why am I doing that? I'm habituating my subconscious. That's the only way the mm-hmm. subconscious learns. The subconscious, like me and you have this discussion, it goes, it's just in the conscious mind. You can benefit from it to a degree, but your problems, those deeply learned negative patterns that you downloaded as a kid are going to play back and you're going to be just as miserable as you were before your conscious mind learned it. So that's why it has to go to the next level down. Well, you're, you're, talking, yeah, you're talking about reprogramming yourself with positive affirmations, and that's... Exactly, you know, that, exactly. That's, um, you're, you're, you're overwriting a program, and you're enforcing it. And... That's it's a wonderful way to do it. It does work. It takes time. It's not no, it an does. overnight. It's not, yeah, it's, it's it's not an difficult. overnight process. I want to say this. <laughs> so anyone listening to this show, it will not work the first time you try it. It will it will take weeks before you can make just a little bit of progress. It'll take mm-hmm. six months to a year before you finally say, "Hey, I can finally do this," but it <laughs> doesn't come easy. Yeah, I will. I will use a term that I, I picked up. I, I forget where I picked it up, and I would give the person credit if I could. If I could remember who it was, I heard it from. It's not mine, 
but I'd like to claim it, but I use it all the time when I, when I, when I am struggling with something and, and, and it's, it's simple. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Oh yes. Oh yes. So that, so, so that it, it's, it's it, the spiritual process is not a sprint. It's a marathon, but it's so worth it. Well, it's 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 your only opportunity for survival because if you do not correct your thinking, then you will you'll you'll just live a life of suffering. So you have to make the choice. Do you want to have a a, a life that you enjoy or do you want to suffer? So that I mean I think, yeah. that's that's why no, I keep that, coming that, back to this book. <laughs> no, and it's a good book. It really is. Um, but but I think what what happens is that you know happily you're aware that you have tools to use to get where you want to go. There are so many people that don't understand that that um, first of all spirituality is not a religion. So so praying and asking for something over and over and over again will not get it for you. But it's, but focusing, I mean, I I'm all for prayer because because Lord Lord knows I do it on occasion myself. But but the reality <laughs> is you have the power within you that that you should be you should be reprogramming yourself and and basically it's not please help me do this for me it's 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 more of a I'm looking for this. Open the door. Help me open the door. Help me find a way. And and sometimes you need to have you know some sort of technique to get there. Sometimes you know the spirit will talk to you inspirationally. And so often when when spirit does talk to you in inspiration or a flash of insight or or a dream that you can't get get out of your mind, the the you know pay attention to it because there are always answers there. I think the spirit that we carry, the, the, that is the resident of this this avatar, this body, has all the answers. It's a matter of trusting yourself and having faith in yourself that that no matter what challenge arises, you have the tools to not only um, overcome it, but to to actually um, be a victor in whatever the challenge is. If you if you listen to your spirit within instead of all of the people giving you advice who really don't know where they're coming from. It's, it was very interesting hearing, hearing you say that because I used to think that way too. I don't think in terms of prayer at all anymore. That's a, I well, well I mean, but, but, you know, I think, you know, you, you also sent me another article that I found fascinating about, about how, Sometimes the stress that we put ourselves through with with religious, you know, feelings will will cl- clutter and and in some way shut down parts of our brain because the stress is so great. Yeah, you, uh, I sent you. It's the hypothalamus is actually yeah. it shrinks part of the brain. Religious, there's a religious thought pattern. That actually sh- shrinks part of the brain, and 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 they've done they've done research right now. Uh, in fact, religious experiences shrink part of the brain. Uh, 
let me read this. Uh, religious factors and hippocampal, hippocampal atrophy, especially in late life, occur according to a Duke University study that represents an important advance in our growing understanding of the relationship between the brain and religion. The hippocampus belongs to the limbic system and plays important roles in the consolidation of information from short-term memory to long-term memory and spatial memory. The hippocampus is involved in the storage of long-term memory, which includes all past knowledge and experiences. Scientists are uncertain as to how exactly this occurs, but what they're saying is that uh, they argue that some individuals in the religious minority or those who struggle with their beliefs experience higher levels of stress. And this causes a release of stress hormones that are known to depress the volume of the hippocampus over time. So, so this wrong thinking actually shrinks your brain. I'm thinking wow. Billy talked. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's just scary. So the one thing that you'll notice that, that I've noticed, and it was so good to hear you say that because it really made me realize how much my thinking has tra- changed. Um, I There's no begging. There's no pleading anymore because mm-hmm. I, I understand the power of my thoughts. And... Uh, Billy talks about the the zeal of the thought, the uh, in, in relationship to power. Boy, this is a very. I wonder if I've got that handy. That it's a very interesting. So, in other words, he talks about mindful thoughts and the importance of mindful thoughts. So maybe it'll help. I think I got this. Hopefully, somewhere. Um, that's my dog. Well, why, one of my dogs. Why, why do you search? I want. I. I want to also mention. You know, we are not saying religion is bad, because so, yes, some, we are. I am. Okay. I don't. I. don't want to rip people vast. away from. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's one of the, the. I'll take credit for that one. Okay. You that, can blame that, it on that's, me. That's Mark's side. My side is if you're at a point in time where religion gives you solace and comfort, then for heaven's sakes, you know, I'm not saying let go of it, but I am saying have an open mind and look into other other spiritual aspects that can possibly enhance your life as well. I'm not a diplomat not, anymore. I you know, know you're not. I, no, no, you're I definitely be, not a I diplomat. I used to be. I used to be. <laughs> I'm not anymore. Okay. Power is that which triggers and releases energy. Energy releases power. So might is a factor that is ruling or dominating something. So might uses power and stands above power. So when you start to use the might of your thoughts, you will not be, you won't, there won't be begging and pleading anymore because Mm -hmm. you understand the power of your thoughts. If you oh yeah, yeah. And and there I won't think be that I, anymore. 
I think it's important for people to understand that as you come into a lifetime, you are given before you enter in or you when you come in at that at that 21 day time frame with as the embryo is developing when the spirit does enter the body, um, according to the Meyer material, um, you have a vague suggestion map, a general. Um, pattern that, that you were supposed to follow for that lifetime. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to do it, but it, it, it does mean that that, that, was the, that was the plan before incarnation. And, and you know, you, you're given the tools to do it. You have, the, you have the potential to achieve all those things that you've set forth. But I must add, it's important for you to understand that the goals and the direction that you are given have nothing to do with what job you have, who you marry, how many children you have, how much money you gather, or how many toys you have. The spiritual goals within a lifetime have nothing to do with those things. They have, they have a great deal to do with how you, how you live within your reality, how you interact with other people, and, and you know, the spiritual philosophy that you eventually evolve into. And, and, you know, your actions are a reflection of that spiritual quality that you have inside of you. So that it isn't the physical things that you gather. It's, it's those, those aspects of love and harmony, grace and, and compassion that you have exhibited throughout your life that, that are the goals that, that you are given, not what you should. It, it isn't like, you know, you're going to get married and you're going to be this and you're going to do this with your life. That's not what, that's not the kind of generality that you're given. Right. I, I've not, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. I, I, I don't remember reading that. Um, okay. That were given an overall, that were given an overall life pattern. That might be true. I don't know. It's don't, a general one. You have, yeah. You have to send yeah, me no, the link on that. I'm not I, I already familiar. have. I already now, sent it, it to you. Was it a link or, or was it a, a No, it was text? in that, it was a massive text. <laughs> well, why don't you send me a link? Then I'll know the source of the material. Otherwise, well, it could have come from some some weird website somewhere by some new age guru that you know who oh, no, you no, need no. to interview. Who? There's a guy I want to hook you up with. He lives in the Yukon Territory in Canada. His name is Daniel Cooper, and he lives up there in the very extreme far north where they have six months where it's light all the time. Six months mm-hmm. where it's dark all the time and where it gets so cold you can't believe it. And he is really into the Meyer information. And I'll ask him if I can drag his contact information over to you in Skype because he's just a real straight shooter. And uh, I think it, it, you would have an interesting discussion with him. Now, well, he has written... He, uh, before he came across the Meyer material, he was really struggling. In fact, he was suicidal. And what he did through his own reasoning is he, he wrote all this down to, as a young boy, 10 or 12 years old, and he said, and he came to this without ever seeing the Meyer material, that, that in his own logic, he would say that 
if there was a real extraterrestrial contact, it would have to occur in the middle 1970s, and it would have to occur in Switzerland. And he, you just have to listen to him tell you this. Now, he's written this up. He calls it his calculations, and it's being translated into German now, and the people in Switzerland are are going to publish this at some point. So it's just, I'll have to hook you and Daniel Cooper up. It'd be very interesting to hear you guys uh, have a discourse. Another guy <laughs> that I can hook you up with is a guy in Colorado named Rem, uh, Rem, Remington is his first name. I think it's Rem Robinson. I, I sometimes forget his last name. For some reason, I have this mental block. And uh, this guy, me and him are just like, it's the most amazing thing. We're just like on the same wavelength. And when we start talking, but it just one thing to another and two hours goes by. And I'm like, how did that happen? He's an <laughs> artist by trade. Mm-hmm. He's an artist. And he came into the Meyer material a little bit um, right around the same time I did, right around 2008, I think. And he is one of the most... He's very knowledgeable, very, very knowledgeable. There's another lady I'll have to hook you up with in Colorado. Her name is Carol Steves, and she she basically runs that, that meeting group in Colorado. So those are some people I'll have to get you uh, hooked up with. But I wanted to read a little something from – this comes from Billy, and it, it kind of talks a little bit about what you were just mentioning. It says – when the egg and the sperm unite through the act of procreation, the consciousness and the personality do not enter the fertilized egg, which is contrary to what is occasionally wrongly taught. The fact is that during the three weeks after fertilization, the formless embryo grows as a tiny, natural, impulse-based, pure instinct body. So it's not it's not there's no evolution of the consciousness yet mm-hmm. it's called instinct it's just instinct on the 21st day the embryo is then spiritually animated when the spirit form reincarnates into the embryo along with the consciousness and the personality which incarnate through the comprehensive consciousness block which i know you studied that right yep Mm-hmm. We talked about it. And, and, so the, and for those, yeah, wait, for those who are listening, when he says block, he means like a block of information, not a kind of block that stops you. It's it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a group of information, not a block that stops you from thinking. Sorry, block. So spirit, block has, yeah. Go ahead. So the spirit, spirit form and the comprehensive consciousness blocks create a part. The consciousness and the personality become the self of the conceived life form as its inseparable part. If the reincarnation of the spirit form as well as the incarnation of the new consciousness and personality into the embryo has taken place, then the embryo is transformed from a pulsing natural instinct-based state of life into a conscious living process. This means that the embryo no longer exists, but for now, 
from now on the fetus, it's a fetus now, which is only 21 days, which our, our medical doesn't call it a fetus yet. But the fetus, tiny heart starts to beat. So it's the power of the spirit form that starts the heart to beat. So the conscious life of the consciousness begins, which exists in the fetus and in this form develops into a human being. The essential material components of the growing fetus come from both parents, but the forms of the spirit and the comprehensive consciousness block, the consciousness and personality, have nothing to do with material components since they are of a completely different nature when the human being is capable of influencing and determining. So this is basically just supporting what you're saying about the spirit form coming into the embryo. And I just really like the way Billy describes that. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a beautiful explanation. Um, and, and, and you know, it's it's sort of like, okay, so this is how we come into being, so to speak. But then, you know, in in my in my experience in my studies that have not been Billy Meyer, but have been of a, of a more of a spiritual nature, yet not from the Meyer material, I guess. I, I'm not saying ones they're different, but they seem to coincide greatly. The 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 spirit form has still got its connection to the um, the over consciousness as well. So, so that you know, I, I I wrote something once about why babies cry, and it, it was it was for me very interesting because the spirit inside of that form has has total awareness on a spiritual level, not necessarily on, on a human level, but on a spirit level. And so, in the very very young, quite often babies cry, and they're not wet, and they're not hungry, and and it frustrates the devil out of parents. And in 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 my opinion, that that sometimes that frustration is because the spirit within can't manipulate the muscles or the tongue or the mouth in order to speak and get get information out. Oftentimes it feels to me as though the spirit has something very important it wants to say, and it's so frustrated. The only way it can express that frustration is through crying. And I sometimes wonder if, if we are, we're more compassionate and understanding and, and talk to babies as adults instead of as babies, because they're not babies. They're just humans that have to grow up. Um, that that we might get more information from them about what they remember of the spirit realms of of the overconsciousness of all of the things that have happened to that spirit, uh, the journey that it's taken to get to that point in time, and and understand that it has to go through a, a year or two of being able to mobilize and then verbalize to be able. And, and in that time that it takes to mobilize and verbalize, we have we have clogged its memory bank so much with all that it's absorbed of the earth plane that it forgets about the spirit aspect of it to a certain degree. Hmm. Well, that's uh, Just, interesting. That's a that's <laughs> an interesting perspective. It'll see be interesting to to see as you if the Meyer material continues to. Inf- influence you more and more and in, in, in how you'll how you'll view 
that kind of thing uh, as life goes on. There's a little section here of, on reincarnation, which is, I think, interesting since we're kind of running out of time here. It says, incarnation is a philosophical framework of life, a religious concept, a future scientific field, which deals with a wide range of aspects of, of the living being. And it uses the German word Wesen here. When, how, mm-hmm. where, why it starts a new life in a new physical body after each biological death. It's always a sequence of processes that lead one into trigger another, just like life and known biological processes. The processes that occurs in between is in what Figu variably calls the beyond, the beyond area, the otherworldly area, and less commonly as a dimension on the inner or the outer side of the visible material universe belt. Billy Myers' incarnation laws, principles, and explanations are more aligned with science, presumably to encourage science. Um, This is a good article. It talks a little bit about things like consciousness evolution and a little more. It's... um, Look for reincarnation on the Billy Meyer Wiki, and I think this will you'll find this interesting. It kind of goes mm. along. I think you're really you're really hitting the the. I can tell you're kind of really studying the reincarnation aspect of things. Well, I've really always successful. believed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the reincarnation <clears throat> was not random hops through time, but but was definitely a journey towards expansion, evolution, and, and understanding so that, so that every past lifetime has offered another stepping stone, so to speak, for, for this particular lifetime. I think one of the other things that I just read that, that I found fascinating was the Neanderthal and you know how the Neanderthal has not been wiped out because there is a part of Neanderthal in all of us so that so that in a way, Neanderthals have not, um, you know, we, we, ha- we have a part of that genetic makeup in our bodies. So that, so that the Neanderthals were not killed off, were not destroyed, were not wiped out because of the intermingling of the, of the two different, I don't know, cultures that, um, <clears throat> that, that um, it, it was fascinating when I was reading it. It was kind of like they weren't wiped out. I mean, you know, they they were part of of, of our development. But but when when a more advanced human form uh, evolved, it still had the links to the Neanderthal. So that so that over time, no matter how you look at it, even though there are no hundred percent pure Neanderthals moving, although I've met a couple, but but um it 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 is that we have that genetic part within us still we carry a memory of and a piece of that genetic uh, makeup within us as as we sit here today so that nothing has ever been wiped out it's just been assimilated into a different whole hmm. which was really cool that was in the Meyer material it was Yes, that is it an was. interesting way of looking. I, I don't remember that. There's so much here. <laughs> There's just so much here. Well, you know, I mean, you, you understand that 
you know, when you read it and when I read it, we both come from different backgrounds. So we're both grabbing different parts of it that resonate to what, you know, what our backgrounds are so that, you know, it's, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just that, geez, I didn't see that. Yeah. But it was, it was another, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you come from a different background than I do. And, and so of course we would, we would resonate to different parts of the material um, all of which is applicable, but it is interesting. Indeed. You, know, you you pull yeah. it in and you weave it into and and uh, what was it the Buddha? I love it. It, it was it, this is a saying of the Buddha, and and I think it applies to to the Meyer material. It's come and see. You know, just come and see. If it appeals to you and you resonate to it, then dig deeper. If you don't, then, you know, then don't. But uh, the Buddha would say, come and see. Just, you know, not this is my way, this is the right way, this is the only way. Just come and see. Give it a chance. Have an open mind and an open heart and just see what what fits for you, what doesn't fit for you. and and you know you, you know if it influences you that's wonderful and if it doesn't then it isn't your time and it isn't your way this time that's you know my material I suspect is going to be out there forever and ever even after Billy has gone beyond. Um, does he have any idea where his spirit will go after this lifetime? Well, you you always go into the the spirit realm of the planet that you die on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only exception to that rule. And and when you reincarnate, you always reincarnate on the planet that you died on. So we don't, we don't, we don't, according to my information, we like you don't die on the earth and then re, reincarnate on Alpha Centauri or something like that. Now, the only time that can happen is if you're, if you get on a ship and you go from one world to another, like if, I got on a ship and went to Proxima Centauri or someplace like that, and it was habitable, and I lived a life there, and, and then I died on there. My spirit form would go into the spirit realm on that planet, and then I would reincarnate on that world next time around. But mm-hmm. you don't, yeah. And you probably you probably know that, right? I mean, you've you've studied that too, right? Oh yeah, no, that that part I got. And and, okay. and if you were if you were a baby being born in a spaceship, where would you then? That that was interesting. I did read that a baby born on a spaceship. Where would its return be? Certainly not the spaceship. No. So wherever, would it be? whatever planet, what if it whatever planet it died on. Um, it would go into the spirit realm on that planet and then reincarnate on that world. Okay. Now, if I, you I die think... on a ship, if you die on a yeah. ship, yeah. your spirit form will move to the nearest planet that has human spirit forms. Okay, so all, all those people that died on, we were talking about a cart earlier, the planet that had 23 mm-hmm. billion people on it, the atmosphere broke down. All the spirit forms, all the people that that died there, that you know, some of the people were lucky enough to get off on ships and go to other worlds, but the vast majority of them, the other billions of spirit forms will 
spirit forms have some way to move, they will move to another world. Uh, the closest one uh, that allows for human life, and they'll incarnate on that world, whatever world that, that may be. I don't know how traumatic that is, by the way. I don't know how much... You know, the spirit form is, at our current level of involvement, it's not that conscious. It's, no. it's not, that, not that aware. No. Um, well, <clears throat> not only that, but it has, and what I find fascinating is that this in spirit form, you don't, you don't feel emotions and you don't feel love and you don't feel, and you can't create from the spirit form. So in many ways, um, it's almost um, a blank slate until it takes, until it takes a physical material form. And then it mm-hmm. is able to, um, to create and to do all sorts of cool things. But, but as a spirit, there's a whole nother level of, I think there, I do believe there is a level of consciousness, but it's nothing that we can actually relate to. There certainly is, you know, direction. It's not just an, an energy blob out there. There is consciousness there, but it's not the same kind that we, we have when we, um, when we incarnate into human form. And every incarnation, the spirit form absorbs more wisdom and more uh, intelligence, and it it evolves. And eventually, we don't need a body anymore. Mm -hmm. When we get through all seven levels of evolution, we don't need a body anymore. And I I assume since we don't have a body, we probably don't have a material consciousness. Now, Billy hasn't specifically said that, so... That's kind of speculation. Well, here's where Billy and I differ. He he, here's where I definitely differ from Billy. Um, after mm-hmm. after the millions or billions of years of evolution, Billy believes that the 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 spirit form goes back to the the original source, and mm-hmm. I believe that after those billions of years um, of evolution, that we become a creator, uh, uh, an iswish of our own. And well, we cast we cast out seeds, and 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 we watch as those seeds, you know, gather, 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 and grow, and then become sources of creation themselves. And, and you know, we're talking trillions and gazillions of years. But I, I do, I don't believe that we are going to. I don't believe our journey is to return to our source. I believe our journey is to become a source. Wow, I have a hard enough time just getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I'm not that ambitious. No, I don't think I'll be there. <laughs> so, not this lifetime, though, probably. <laughs> probably not any, I don't even think. But, um, you know, one thing we didn't get to chat about, we're out of time, I see, but uh, we didn't talk that much about the collapse of the U.S. in 2020. Well, it'll still be there next week or next winter. I, I, you know, I think it's, I do believe that the government is going to go through an amazing change. And in order to really rebuild, you have to destroy first. So that, so that I think we're on the doorstep of, of, of that. I don't know. I don't believe it's going to happen in 2020 exactly, but I think we are seeing the beginnings of the foundations crumbling. 
And that doesn't mean that, that you know, we are going into chaos. Right. It just means that, that there is there is definitely a new beginning coming for us. But in, in order for new beginnings to happen, you have to have endings. I mean, it's just, wow. it's just the way it goes. You know, <laughs> Billy, Billy has not been positive about our future in the U.S. He says, uh, I think that last interview, he said it's, the U.S. will be wrecked. I hope not. I, I'm, I'm much more hopeful than that. I, I don't I think, think – yeah, no, I don't believe it's going to be wrecked, but I do believe that we're going to have to reorganize, and in order to do that, we're going to have to deorganize, and that, that will be um, confusing, and it will be chaotic, and, and uh, I think we have a lot of stuff coming that isn't pleasant, but it moves us into a more pleasant place. I do believe I – mean, you're right, we are almost out of town, out of town, out of time. Um, you want to talk about your show? Um, on just Freedom Google Slips? Ohio, uh, just Google Ohio exopolitics, and uh, that that'll be that'll be enough to keep you busy for a long time. <laughs> yes, there's a lot I of links that'll pop so. up. There's a lot of links that'll pop up. And so you do a show every, you do a show every Saturday on FreedomSlips.com at four to six in the afternoon, and uh, on, Saturday. Um, on Saturday, right. I, I don't and, know how long that's going to last. We're going to have to see, you know. I'm a, I'm a one-hour kind of guy. The two-hour format doesn't – it's hard. It doesn't feel right to me. I, I like that hour format. I feel like I can get a, a good show out in an hour and then leave people wanting – Coming back for more. It's it's really it's just difficult for me to do the two hour format. I I told the station owner that too. So we'll keep. Maybe he'll have someone come in that second hour. Why don't you take the second hour, Barbara? <laughs> we'll talk, Mark. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can take the second I, I hour. Go I, don't, I don't. I don't. I know. I don't like being required to fill to a time a, frame. Yeah. Make I like. I like. It. I like the option of putting a show when and where I want to, whatever works for everybody. So, but, but I'll help you out as best I can. The beauty of blog talk. I love blog talk. (laughs) There you go. You you did nightlight earlier, earlier today, just for that reason, right? Yep. Just for you. There you go. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank thank you so much. I, I, I so appreciate it. You um you being here today and sharing your your vast knowledge with us and um you know hopefully we'll do well we we we're going to do this once a month I think the first Tuesday of every month right yeah I think so okay. it sounds like a plan four to six see ya goodbye Mark okay. thanks a lot bye and thank you everybody for listening so totally appreciate your being here and uh, sharing your energy with us. Uh, we will be back. Um, Nightlight will be back on Thursday evening, 9 to 11 with Michelle Avanti. And I will be doing um, Mark's Exopolitics with him on Saturday from 4 to 6 on freedomslips.com. You want to check my website out, you'll find me there. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great evening and a happy 4th of July coming up. Bye-bye now. <laughs>